That's good. Just, I want Carmen, I want you to sing that once more. No music, no nothing. Just you lead it out in voices. The more I seek you, the more I find you. Sing it with her if you would. The more I find you, the more I love you. Will you make that your communication to Jesus right now? The more I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. Sing it again, sing it again, will you? and prayer to you, Lord Jesus. If you're having difficulties as we're in this presence and awe of God that you want a breakthrough, I'm making the altar open. And just begin to make this your communication and let Jesus break you through by His love, by His grace. you we worship you we worship you Lord the more I find you Jesus 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 we love you Lord we worship you Lord we worship you right now King of Kings Lord of Lords the more I seek you all of our hearts all of our souls and all of our strength we seek you says when you seek me with your whole heart then you'll find me move 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 in a real way lord break people through right now in the beauty of your holiness open altar to you you're in your pew and I want you to grab hands with your neighbor and 
just open and lift your hands together as a unit and begin to pray that prayer to Jesus. This whole body of Christ, Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we love you. Jesus, you're our Lord. Jesus, you're our King. Jesus, you're our truth. Jesus, you're our way. Jesus, you're our life. Saturate us. Saturate our hearts. Saturate our minds. Have your place among us in our hearts and among us in your church. You stand at the door and knock. It's a sad thing that you're knocking outside of your church, but Lord, we let you in. We let you in in every aspect of our hearts. You stand at the door and knock. But we let you in, and we let you in the church. You don't have to stand outside our lives or outside your church knocking. Not here. We open the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and everyone who opens, I will come in. I will come in. That's the area of your heart that you got areas in your life that Jesus Christ is knocking at the door of your heart. Just open it up. Whatever area that he's knocking, and you know that he's knocking, and you know in his love and his kindness, he's not going to intrude, but he's waiting. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will open it up to me, I'll come in. I'll come in. Whatever area that is that you need him to come in. And as a corporate church, he's not outside this body of Christ. He's not having a knock outside of what belongs to him. Lord Jesus, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome in this church. You're welcome among this people. You're welcome in this community, and you're welcome in this city. You're not outside looking in. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And we give you that place in our lives, and we give you that place in this church. That you would come in. Come in, King of glory. Come in, King Jesus. Come in, King of glory. Come in to life's in this place. Come in. Come in and have your place and your rule and your reign in your church. Promote yourself in your glory and your beauty in, in the church. Be the king and extend your kingdom through your church into the cities, into the nations. We so need you in our nation, Lord Jesus. We so need you. And we're your church on the earth. And we're the city on the hill. We're the light of the world. We're the body of Christ. And we're calling. And we're telling you, come. Come, King of glory. Come, King of glory. Come. Take your rightful place. We welcome you in Washington, D.C. We welcome you in our nation. We welcome you. We're your church. And we welcome you in our cities, in our nation. We welcome you. King of glory, come. We welcome you. You're the ruler. The ruler of our lives. You're the Christ. You're the one. You're the son of the living God. The earth is yours and the fullness thereof. And all the inhabitants therein. 
All authority is given by God. It belongs to you, not to men. So, Lord, we pray. Come to our leaders in this nation. Come to the senators in this nation. Come to those governors. Come with the fear and the awe of God. That men might know that they're just flesh. That men might know that they're just flesh. That men might know that you're the most high. And that you you still rule in the kingdoms of men. Come, King of glory. Come, King of glory. Come, King of glory. In our lives, in this church, in this community of Crane. In the state of Texas and in among our leaders in Washington. Will you pray that with me? Say, Come, King of Glory. Come, King of Glory. Come, King of Glory. We are the gates of God. Open up you gates, lift your head you gates, and call for the King of Glory to come in. King of Glory. Yo 
church that word about the cross that word will be promoted all through the earth that Jesus Christ is King that Jesus Christ is Lord and Christ that Jesus is the one you are the way you are the truth and you are the life and there's no other name under heaven and earth where which men might be saved saved from darkness hell and perdition but God saved from a crooked and perverse generation you save from hell and perdition but that word of God that kind of word saves men from a crooked and perverse generation let that word sound in this America. Let your word of your kingdom that John preached, that Jesus spoke of, that Peter spoke to 3,000, that you're Lord in Christ. You're the prince and ruler over all. Visit our America. Lord, visit our America. We're your people called by your name. And we have humbled ourselves. And we've turned from our wicked ways. And we prayed. And you said you'd heal our land. Because we're your people in the church. And we're crying out. And we're turning from wicked ways. We're turning from mixtures. We're turning from Babylonian thinking. We're turning away from those things and we're turning to you your Lord and Christ you're the one and there's no other you're promoting yourself in your church and you're re-emphasizing your kingdom release those words your name is above every name 
given by God the Father, exalted, a name given above every name, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, below the earth, on the earth, and above. Will you say that with me? Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, your Lord, to the glory of God the Father, we declare Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And Christ, the one. Have your rightful place among us. Any crown that you feel like you're wearing, take it off and say, Jesus, this crown belongs to you in my life. I take off that crown and I give it to you. Ezekiel said, who's right it is, who it belongs to anyway. Take off that crown and give it to whose right it is. He is the king of all kings. Take off that crown. Give it to him. It's his right anyway. In your life. your neighbor and tell him you're bought with a price you belong to Jesus Christ lock stock and barrel will you tell him that say you're bought with a price you belong to Jesus Christ you're bought with a price you belong to Jesus Christ amen you're bought with a price you belong to Jesus Christ if you've done that beautiful did you get anything out of the Lord's presence just him direct did you get anything? I heard some brokenness. That's a healthy sound. That sound of brokenness and weeping before Jesus and giving him his rightful place. That's a healthy sound. It's his place. Will you say that with me? It's your place, Lord. Yeah, you're ruler of our lives. You're Lord of our lives. Yeah. And I want you, I want to prepare a way here and I really feel the last few weeks have been like some some great deposits with God and the Lord. And uh, if you haven't been here, listen to the podcast and and uh, and glean from that, glean from those words of God, right? But I did feel a, a halting a couple of days ago, and and I said, you know what, uh, God, I got a lot of things, and uh, I just don't want to keep spinning that wheel. I want it to spin, but I know there's things to be broken down. And and uh, uh, Tom had come to me and said, you know what, man, I'm I'm ready. I got some things on 
Christ the King and the Kingdom. And, and I said, okay, be ready. And I heard Arthur saying something to me at his house the other day, and it was uh, based on discipleship, but there was a term that he had. He said, I had something at the end of service, and I heard Anna say something to me. It, it, people start percolating. I want to make room for those things, that the body of Christ benefits from every angle. Anna began to tell me kingdom terms I haven't heard in years about Luke chapter, I think it's one, about uh, people's offices and their bishoprics, you know, that Christ ordains you to be in that thing. And really, nobody should feel that office. You know, God's calling you to that office. And those are kingdom realities. And so I'm pausing and I'm waiting and I'm saying, God, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to spin some things. I'll do my part. But this is a many-member body. Amen? And I heard Rick begin to tell me something. I think it was Wednesday night, 11 o'clock, and it, it was a kingdom principle. He was talking about Jesus and the ways of God. And that Jesus said, you sit in the back and watch God promote you to the front. And I go, wow. And I'm beginning to hear that, that sound of God. You know, amen. I told you that God was prophesying that. 2013, 2013, things of simplicity, returning to simplicity in Jesus Christ, leaving complexity, amen, returning to things that are remaining, which is the Word of God, right? The Word of God, the will of God, John said, and uh, the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. And the Lord began to pour more and more out to us and confirm things to us. He began to pour out that these are days of definition, distinction, where people were multitudes in the valley of decision in our nation, even in our lives, it all truth parallel. But in the nation, division, people are in the valley of, of indecision. But that's kind of ending. There's a slotting. Will you say a slotting? See, you can't remain in indecision forever because indecision is a decision not to go on. And when the Lord's blowing a trumpet and he's making a sound and he's putting categorizing people. And there's, this nation is in the greatest division it's been in a long, long time. Sheep are sheeps now. Goats are goats. Black is blacker and white is whiter. Light is brighter. It's happened. And the Lord's defining things as they really are according to His heart and not our imagery and our mental perceptions. Amen? And that's a good thing for all of us. We get freed. What once was, wink, what was winked at now is being repented of. Once, once was hidden is now come to light. That's in my life, your life, that's in the nation, that's among our leaders. The hidden things are coming to light. What they said they were and who they really are is coming to light. That's Jesus Christ visiting. We're praying, how are you visiting? I'm showing you, sons, daughters, hidden things are coming to light. Who they say they are, this is who they really are. Now we know, right? No more mixture. Tell your neighbor, no more mixture. No more gray. It's black or it's white. It's wrong or it's right. It's death or it's life. That's a good thing. The Lord defining. And I'm reiterating. Then, then he's strongly emphasizing. Say re-emphasizing. Re-emphasizing the kingdom. Where he's ruler. Where he's Lord. I was talking to, to a, a good friend, Bruce DeLay, I think the day before yesterday. And he, you know, I know Anna. Anna's like this. She's this new uh, computer whiz. She sends sound bites out she does all this now i'm like wow jimmy's making music on the youtube and, and anyway bruce said i heard this this sound and i go yeah and i go he goes that's he used a term and i try to uh, do it right but it basically it's the kingdom he was saying that's the sound of the origin of an apostolic gospel i don't care what you call it the kingdom of god what it is is the lordship of jesus and he takes his place once again amen and I began to tell him, I said, man, I'm amazed at Matthew 16, that Jesus led them to the bottom of that mountain in a revelation of who he was. And then the church, 
of what it really is. And then the ways of the cross and discipleship and his sonship. Amen? And then I've seen Paul. He gets hit with it faster than ever. But it's the same gospel. Paul was on a road to Damascus. And all of a sudden, a, a, a bright light shined and knocked him off his high horse. And he began to say the same thing Peter said. He said, you're Lord. And your church. And I'm going to show you things that you're going to suffer. It was instant. Same, same word of God. Lord in Christ. Say Lord in Christ. It's part of the kingdom. And Peter, on that day, we always go, he preached to 3,000 people. He said, I gave you the keys of the what? Kingdom. And part of that was, he said, this Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Say Lord in Christ. He's the one, Peter said. And men began to repent, right? For their, for, for their sins and come out of that. And Peter goes, no, this gospel is going further than that. Come out of that crooked and perverse generation, the 40th verse. That's the kingdom. I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. I'm, gonna, I'm just exhorting you. God's reemphasis. I want to read something to you too. I don't want you to miss this. Acts chapter 1, Cole, if you would. The third verse. Say reemphasizing. To whom also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, say infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days. I want you to say 40 days. Jesus is visiting his people and he's reemphasizing something for 40 days. For 40 days he appeared to them. It says with many infallible proofs. Speaking of the things, read this with me. Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He came back and visited 40 days. He taught them the kingdom when he was on earth. Amen. Why was he visiting 40 days talking about things pertaining to the kingdom? Go on to the next verse. And I'm telling you why by the scriptures interpreting themselves is because they got off track. They needed to be redirected. Their minds begin to shift. And he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard of me. Next verse. And he goes on, and John truly baptized, and he goes on about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? He's instructing them. He told them 40 days about the kingdom. Verse 6 is your answer. Why? Why was he redirecting him? Why was he reemphasizing the kingdom? Because they were starting to get confused. And listen to this verse. It tells it so clear. And when they therefore had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said, I'm not talking about the kingdom of Israel. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm here for 40 days to tell you about my kingdom. But you're getting misdirected about the kingdom of Israel. I'm not interested in that right now. I'm interested in you, my people, and my kingdom. Do you see how the scriptures interpret themselves? So he's reemphasizing 2013 the things of the kingdom because maybe maybe his church maybe his church got confused and he's redirecting him saying I'm king I'm lord I'm Christ 
Give me that place. Give me that place in your life. Give me that place in a community, a city, and a nation, and watch what I can do. Say 40 days. Re-emphasizing the kingdom. Redirecting their minds from the kingdom of Israel to the kingdom of God. With your eyes closed, where do you need redirecting? Re-emphasizing. Sometimes, you're going to see in the weeks to come, I got a, a, so much the Lord's been so gracious with abundance of revelation. But he's promoting his church that the gates of hell won't prevail. And he's doing it by him being Lord and Christ and head of that church. For the purpose, say for the purpose, of extending his kingdom. He extends his kingdom out of you and me. It grows. And Daniel prophesied of that kingdom. Isaiah said there'll be no end. There's an extending, an establishing. Say the Lord's reemphasizing his kingdom. Amen. I want to read you some things here. I got this week. They really spoke to me. Carmen sent this uh, to my text thing and Jimmy's, and I'm sure it's Arthur and already read it. And then this is a confirming word. Say confirming word. See, you know, we went through things. We went through times with God, and we followed them, and we went through fastings, right? And if you, if you feel like you're not caught up, get caught up with God. If you feel like you haven't changed garments or changed oil, get that oil and, and change in your life with the Lord. Get fresh with Jesus Christ. Get alive with him. And like Anna said, and stay alive. Don't go up. Don't go down. Break through. And if you haven't had your breakthrough yet, I'm seeing God in his grace visit young men. And he said, and they need a breakthrough. And he's doing the Jeremiah thing. He said, I'm going to shake you. Shake you. I'm going to tilt you, pour you out. And I'm going to break that vessel in your life so you can go on to the next. Say, that's good news. That's good news. Say, God... I'll say God. <laughs> I'll tell you what. God, I'm caught up. Thank you for it. I've rent some old garments and put on a new one. And if you haven't, I suggest you please do. Just get before the Lord. Seek Him. All your, you know, just seek Him. You'll get your breakthrough. You can, your mouth can feel dry as cotton, but you stay there. It won't be long that that oil of God will refresh you once again. So I'm encouraging you. Say, He loves me. He loves me so much, he'll shake me. He loves me so much, he'll tilt me. He loves me so much, he'll break me and put me in a whole other vessel. He wants to be glorified in my life. I'm predestined and called to that. That's the will of God concerning you. Amen? Amen. Let, let's read this. Go ahead, Joseph. You can play. I like that sound. I like that. I don't know. You know, fetch me a minstrel. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like old times, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds, I like that. It helps me out. This is a word, a confirming word. It's from Sam. What's Sam's real name? Samuel? Oh, my. I thought it. I didn't want to assume it. Man, do you not? Wow. Do you not know that God's awakened Samuels? Huh? Some of the older Hannahs have been travailing in prayer. The handmaidens of God saying, God, give us some Samuels. Give us some Samuels. Give you some Samuels. It'll change your age. Some guys that'll be under authority and won't cut their hair. Won't care about entertainment and partying, but want to reflect Jesus in a real way. Give us some Samuels. Oh, man, I'm loving that. I, I, I so love that. This kid here, he, he don't have a chance. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> he don't have a chance. Name like Samuel. With, oh, my gosh. Wow. 
We need those Samuels. Why don't you close your eyes? Put your hand over your heart. Say, yeah, I'm a Hannah of the Lord. I don't care if you're male or female. You're a handmaiden. You're a bondservant, Paul said. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. I want to pray and birth things that will change the age. I want to pray. I'll mutter at the altar. I'll do that. I'll do that. And I vow to give you the sons and the daughters that are Samuels. That not a word of theirs will fall to the ground. And they won't care about wine and being drunk. They don't care about what the world offers in entertainment. They care about that new wine and reality of me. Prophesying and calling forth a group of Samuels. That will bypass the old religious Eli's. That sit there in their religious churches blind. And Hannah went right past it and she prayed a prayer. And said give me this and I vow Lord he'll belong to you. And so it is. So it is in our day. Praying. We're praying. Praying. Muttering. Calling out. Birthing. Some Samuels. So they could change the age. Love sick for Jesus. Not interested in anything else. No entertainment. No carnal entertainment can fulfill that thing. Amen? Good stuff, God. Good stuff. And this is Sam. Samuel. Modern day Samuels. Sam texted this message and said he wanted to pass along. And this is what he said. God is going to restore the awe and the wonder of him at this church. Say, God's going to restore the awe and the wonder of him at this church. Say, that's a, that's a word, man. That's a word in season. That's a Samuel kind of word. And then Bruce DeLay wrote me, and uh, Anna had sent him that uh, YouTube that Jimmy and, and they made. And he said, I'm praying for the church in Crane this morning. You have such a special place so close to, the, to his heart. You are hid with Christ, yet there will be a time when you will be seen. And at that time, the enemy will seek you out. But you're ready. Say, I'm ready. But you're ready. You are more than ready. Just close your eyes one more time. Say, God, I don't want to miss a single thing. I don't want to miss a single thing. I don't want to miss a jot. I don't want to miss a tittle. I, want to, I don't want to miss a single thing of the reality and the beauty that you want to do through me, through your church, and extending your kingdom. And if you've been in the valley of indecision today, just today, I, I, I plead and beseech you strongly. Come on in. Come on in. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm tired of the old. I want to rent my garment and put on that new. I want to do that Samuel thing. I want to see you in your splendor and your glory. I want to see you in your awe. I want to see you extending your very self through me. You got that? You prayed that? There's treasures in this place. And there's treasure is the earth in the earthen vessel. It's in you guys. That's Christ. There's treasure in the earthen vessel, your destinies. There's treasure. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desire. Say desire. David said the desire of your heart. Solomon said that divine planted purpose that you were born to fulfill. That only God alone will satisfy in your life. There's great grace in, in you. There's great giftings. Tell the Lord, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. By identity. But you gave me a grace and a gifting. To function in. To operate by. Amen.
Man, every time I look out here, there's so many, how you say, uh, I don't know how to say this in a, in a right way. So there's no ego, just the beauty of Jesus. There's so many talents here. Jesus said some three, some five. There's a lot of talent in the house. But that delighting in God awakens that thing. That's more than human. It's Christ. Amen? Let it awaken in you. There's people here that I'm even looking across the board that have graces to be like psalmists. And God will produce a song in and through you, a song of deliverance. There's women in here that are prophetess. And they got words in season. And they got that light of God and that truth of God. Close your eyes. Say no more. I'm not a city. I'm not a person hidden under a bushel. But I so let my light shine before men. In this community. In my office. In my works of business. Everywhere I go, the kingdom of God is in me, and it's at hand through me. Awake, awake, and stay awake. Don't miss it. God called some of you from your mother's womb, all of you actually, to be that certain thing. And he's not going to quit until that happens in and through you. So cooperation, say cooperation, makes it happen. Do you know the way of God I was telling Anna last night? He could do anything. We always say, well, he can do anything. But he has a certain way of doing those things. And when, even when he came to that tomb to raise Lazarus from the dead, and maybe you felt like that, dead sometimes. And even when he came to that tomb, he, he could have said, rock, be removed, Lazarus, come out, uh, and the clothes fall off. But he didn't say that. He said, you, take away the stone. I want you to cooperate with me. We're co-laborers together. That's all you got to do. When I say a certain thing, you're just cooperating with me. And that's his way. Yeah, everybody goes, yeah, he can do anything. Yeah, he can, but he does it a certain way. Say a certain way. It's through mine and your cooperation. So we, when he says, hey, I'm going to resurrect something in your life, just, and he tells us, move the stone, what do you do? Move the stone. Then you get the resurrection, right? Amen. I, I don't want to go to preaching. I, I, I don't want to. I want, it's, it's 30 minutes, Tom. Tom said he had some things. I know Arthur has some things. Anna has some things. And I, I believe Rick has some things. And uh, I'm saying that out loud. So if God, if you guys feel to cultivate it, give yourself to that. Give yourself to that word. Give yourself to those things. Uh, God gives you a hit, but the way of God is we got to cultivate, right? we got to ruminate. we got to let it grow in us. And then have its part, right? Say, I'm a Berean. I'm a student of God's Word. I search the Scriptures, and I find Him in them. Eternal life. Amen. So, Lord, I halt for just a moment. And, and Lord, we make room for You. We make room. You're, you're, you're Rehoboth. You're the room maker. And You make room. And Lord, in this place, and even as I was talking to Tom, and he said, I, I, basically, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I, 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 don't, I, wanna, I want the spirit of this thing to be expressed. Not just the definition, but the spirit of it. So, Father, I want to thank you for the worship that you visit us in today. I want to thank you for the prophetic life that you brought today. And Lord, now I'm asking that you'd loose 
the words of God in uh, your son Tom. And in his obedience to you, that he ministers by the grace of God and by the ability you've given him, that you might be glorified in all things. So, Lord, we have ears to hear. We have eyes that we might see. And a heart that we'd understand. For who's Tom, who's Craig, but who is anyone, but it's God that gives the increase. Increase us with the increase of God through your word today. And everyone said, Amen. Am I on? Yes, I am. Good. <clears throat> the title of my message, and Craig uh, brought this out last Sunday, is The King and His Kingdom. Part of it I thought, well, I better, I've been meditating on this for some time and making a lot of notes and said I better go ahead and deliver this because Craig's going to deliver it for me if I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Now, my hope is is that this is not just a message, but I want some, I want it to be an an impartation of the kingdom, of the reality of Jesus as king and his kingdom. It's not just, a, not just a teaching, although teaching is excellent and good. I'm going to be teaching this. But there's, there's got to be a, a paradigm shift in our thinking where we're not just church members. We're disciples of the king. And we're about his business. We've got kingdom business to do. God has called us as individuals to be members of his kingdom, to be representatives of his kingdom, to be ambassadors of his kingdom. So it's important we understand something about that and the first thing is that jesus is king but i'm getting ahead of myself a little bit we've got to understand as as americans we come with a cultural bias against kings because our history is is that we had a revolution against great britain which was governed by a king an unjust king in many ways and so in fact i remember dad and we were watching i think it was probably Princess Diana's wedding way back when, and they were having all the, the pomp and circumstance that attends the royal court. And Dad made the comment, he said, why do they put up with that? I mean, you know, about their kingdom the stuff, because it's, it's, mostly, it's mostly ceremonial. It's not, I mean, they do have a few official functions and so forth. And, and I would have to say I, I, I agree with him, because as Americans, if you say, well, you ought to be under a king, well, in a way, that's kind of really beneath us because we're, our, we're the government ourselves, supposed to be anyway. <laughs> There's, the problem is, is the leaders we elect, they want to be the government, the deciding, the determining force and not listen to the people uh, all the time. <clears throat> but anyway, so we have a certain bias against, against kings. Now, in the revolution, some call it a rebellion, and, and it really wasn't that, although in some form it was. And, and Benjamin Franklin said, rebellion against tyrants is obedience to God. But now notice something. It was not a rebellion in the sense that they were just rejecting all authority and just throwing off all authority. They were still under authority. They saw themselves as under authority to God, and they had rights, natural rights as citizens, that they needed to defend. 
and that they were entitled to. So they were still under authority to God. In fact, during the revolution, one of the battle cries was, we have no king but Jesus. So it wasn't a rejection of kingship completely in in the sense of Great Britain. They acknowledged the kingship of Jesus, although we ended up with a different form of government. But we were still under the king. Here are some definitions of, of the kingdom. It means foundation or basis of rule, the source of authority. See, when you, you, we, can't, uh, we have to understand that, that we can't just take the kingdom and try to put it on the American dream kind of thing, the American lifestyle, and just try to fit it where it fits in. Now, we've got to adapt our lives to the kingdom. The kingdom is the source of authority. It was American Heritage Dictionary definition. Kingdom, the eternal spiritual sovereignty of God. Sam Solon was here back in December, and, and he brought out something. He said, sovereignty is the key issue. And sovereignty means from where does your authority come? See, who has the authority? Does the authority... I mean, even, even in the church, it's not, it's not if we can get whatever the people vote for. That's not the authority. shouldn't be. It's what does King Jesus want because he is the head of the church. Dictionary definition of sovereignty, supremacy of authority or rule as exercised by a sovereign or sovereign state. And then there's a, there's a man... Guillermo Maldonado, that's an apostle in, I believe it's Miami, has a huge church and, and is just really doing a lot for the kingdom of God, or God's doing a lot through him. He, he said the, the word kingdom means a king who has influence, impacts, dominates with lordship, and his will be done on a territory. We're not, when I'm talking about Jesus as being king, I'm, sometimes we, that's, I mean, that's not a new term, but it's just kind of like a title. We just see it, well, you know, we have King of Kings, and it's just, we just think of it as a title. But he's wanting to bring the reality of his kingship to earth. Yes. See, he is Lord of heaven and earth. Yes. Even though he's, there's going to come a time where he sets up his physical kingdom, he is king right now. He, when he, at, at the end, when he commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, he said, uh, before, right before that, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. I don't care. I don't care what the other governments are doing. I don't care what, what the educational institutions are teaching. Jesus is king now. And it behooves us to acknowledge his kingdom, to come in line with his kingdom, so that we can further his kingdom. <clears throat> now, here's some scriptures on just revealing the importance of the kingdom. <clears throat> and... Matthew 13:19 <clears throat> talked about the, the parable of the, the sower who sows the word. And the other two accounts of it, it just says, uh, when anyone hears the word. But in Matthew 13, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. See, it's a specific word, the word of the kingdom. In Matthew 24, uh, four, excuse me, Matthew 4:23 <clears throat> says, Jesus went, went, was, went about teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. That's also in, in Matthew 9, where it's basically repeated word for word. 
So he was, when his teaching was, when he went about, was teaching the word or the good news of the kingdom. Acts 5, 8 says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Now, what does it mean? It says he proclaimed the Christ. What does it mean when he proclaimed Christ? In verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. When you're proclaiming Christ, you're proclaiming his kingdom and the authority in his name. And Craig mentioned Paul, Acts 19 uh, verse 8 says Paul was arguing persuasively about the kingdom. Acts 20 and 25. And, behold, uh, and now behold, I know that you all, among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. And at the end of the book, he's still preaching about the kingdom. From morning, and this is Acts 28. Verse 23 and 31. From morning till evening he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I mean, there's, you don't see a lot of direct references in the scripture to what the message... I mean, you, you hear that you get the message, but... These are several references to what he was teaching about, the kingdom of God. And this gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. It's more than, than having your sins forgiven and, and getting, to go in, getting to go to heaven. That's foundational. That's a huge part of it. But the gospel is much more than that. <clears throat> and if you would, uh, Cole, put up Judges 17, verse 6, please. <clears throat> I think one of the things in the church is that we've, we've lost a sense of, and I'm not saying here so much, although it, it, it probably does affect to a degree, we've lost a sense of there being an established, recognized authority where people uh, openly acknowledge, and, I mean, it's, it's the Lord Jesus as king, but, I mean, people, you know, it's kind of it's on their terms if, you know, I come when I'm, you know, got a you know, problem and I need some help and, and you know and I'm, everything's going good or whatever then you know I'm off on my own I'm doing my thing if the if the preacher brings the word he says, well that's you know that's your opinion that's just the word of man if I don't see it that way and and I'm not saying there can't be uh, different views on things I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that but you ought to you ought to give a lot of weight to what the men of God are saying. And part of the kingdom, and, and I'll get into it eventually, is that when, you, when you're dealing with the king, uh, he, he has his servants, and he operates through delegated authority. And so when you're respecting the king, you've got to respect the servants of the king. Uh, you've got judges there? Oh, uh, 17, verse 6. <clears throat> says, in those days Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit or did what was right in his own eyes. See, when you have a, 
when you have an absence in people's minds of a clear authority, then they feel free to do what's right in their own eyes. I want to do this, or you know, even the world's philosophy is, well, if it, if it seems right to you, just do it. You know, whatever feels good, do it, regardless of the consequences. So without, and, that, and that's one of the problems in our nation, is we push God out so much, we, don't, we no, no longer have that collective sense of God being the ultimate authority. And when you do that, you know, then, then people, they don't have that, that check on their consciousness to help rein in their passions. And families break down, society breaks down. You know, a lot of, a lot of the functions of government now is dealing with the problems of broken families. If you just got that fixed, you'd solve a whole bunch of problems. But you're not going to get that fixed until you get authority fixed. And part of one of the trends in society is, is against godly authority. I mean, the, the, you don't see strong male figures on TV. I mean, unless they're, well, not, not on the shows you don't see them, but and the, maybe the ones in the movies, I mean, they're, they got machine guns and blowing up things. And I'm not saying if that's their military guy and that's the thing they got to do, they got to do. But that's, that's not necessarily being true manhood. It's just because you can wreak a lot of destruction on things. We need to have a restoration of authority of godly men, godly men in the family in the country. But, you, but you, to, to the foundation of that is recognizing the authority of Jesus as king. Now, here's a, a, maybe a little bit of trepidation when I step in the family deal because I'm not, I'm not married. But the principle is there. If, if the husband wants the wife and the family to submit, to, well, to submit, is he modeling submission? I mean, he, you, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. You say, well, you know, you do what I say because it suits me, but where's, where's your modeling of submission? Who are you submitted to? Are you submitted to the local leadership? Are you submitted to the king? If they see that in you, they're much more likely going to be willing to submit to your leadership, knowing that you're accountable. See, you're modeling because your example speaks so much more than what you say. But anyway, they did... Because there was no king in the land, they did what was right in their own eyes. Proverbs 16:2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. Are we living as if there is no king? And you're thinking, you know, Jesus, Jesus as a baby in the manger. I mean, that's you know, who's that's not a threat to anybody really. You know, I mean, so cute, you know, innocent, sweet. You know, he's no threat. Although the ones that perceived that he was the king, he was a threat to them. See, he was born a king, although he hadn't, you know, hadn't grown up into his kingship yet. And this is one, one of the things of the kingdom is, is that it upsets certain people because you're, you're dealing with authority, you're dealing with sovereignty, you're dealing with who has the, the final say. And so the people... At, um, in Luke 2, you don't need to turn there, but it said when, the, when the, the wise men came to Herod and they said, where is, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So you're, when you're saying someone's born king of the Jews, you're saying someone's coming and he's got royal authority 
and he's, he's got a, a new basis for government. And if you're not willing to side with his basis, then he's a threat to your authority. And so if, if governments have an evil intent out of their proper role, the kingdom of God is a threat to them. That's why we're seeing in our society the attempt to eradicate all public displays of faith. I mean, even the manger scene is a threat to people. You know, and that's, but that's their intent is they've got to uh, rewrite our history, so to speak, and they've got to remove these, these public references to, to God and faith in order to get their agenda passed. So we're a stumbling block to that goal. So the kingdom of God is a threat to them. In uh, Acts 17, 6, uh, Paul and, and I forgot who his companion were. They were, I think, down at Thessalonica. And then they'd been preaching, and then the, the crowd got stirred up, and they went to Jason's house to bring them out, uh, to bring them out publicly. And they went there, and they didn't find them, and then they said, "These do," uh, or they said, "These that have come, these that have turned the world upside down, have come hither also." And then he said, "They, these do all contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, one Jesus." See, in, in those days, you had to say Caesar was Lord, and that's one of the things that got the Christians in trouble is they would not say Caesar is Lord because they knew Jesus is Lord. But these do all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, one Jesus. And, the peop- and they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. See, the kingdom is a threat to those that have evil intentions or self-serving plans. Uh, also notice that this scripture in 1 Samuel 8, 1 and 7, this was, uh, at that time, God was governing uh, through the prophets, and he was he was king in the land, though there was no there was no actual you know physical person as a king, but God was governing. He was the king, and Samuel had grown old, and and his sons were not walking in his ways, and and the the people came to him and said, you know, you're old, and your your sons are we don't want to follow your sons, and they said, give us a king that we might be like all the other nations. So you've got to watch that that temptation. Their motive was. Is we want to, you know, we see these other nations have kings. We want a king to follow them, and you know, and let a king go out and f- kind of fight our battles for us, so to speak. And so, you, but you got to watch that temptation just to be like all the other nations, just to do it because everybody else is doing it. But they said this grieved Samuel, and Samuel went to God about it, and he said, "Don't grieve." He said, "They've not rejected you; they've rejected me as their king." They didn't, they didn't want the authority coming, of God coming through Samuel. And I noticed, noticed this. When they rejected God's messenger, God's servant, they were rejecting God. He said, it's not, just, it's not just you they're rejecting. They're rejecting me as king. So it's, when God, in part, part of the kingdom, a big part of it is authority, and, and God is big on authority. Not, not in the sense of being authoritative, authoritarian, that kind of thing. Don't, you know, some people have they've had bad experience with authority figures, and when you mention authority, I mean, they, all, all that comes up, and they've got a negative reaction to it. But authority is a very good thing if it's, if it's done, if you have servant leadership. Uh, leadership is about 
blessing the people under you, ministering to the people under you. It's not about being a leader per se just for the sake of position or title. Um, but authority is a big thing with God because when you, when you disrespect authority, really you're disrespecting God. And there's another another case in in Luke uh, 19, and this, this is Jesus applying it basically to himself in a parable. He said, "A certain there was a certain nobleman that went away to uh, to have himself appointed king, and then to return. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we uh, we don't want this man to be our king. See, there's something in human nature, the fallen human nature, that's a rebel." Because, see, Satan's deal to Adam and Eve was you can be like God, but the underlying assumption was without depending on God. And so there's, there's something in human nature that wants to be our own God, our own king, ourself. And so it resists, it resists the authority of another king having to submit to someone else. But the good news is through the gospel that all nature is crucified on the cross. You're dead. You're and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. You've got a new life on the inside of you. You've got a spirit on the inside of you that can, that can rise up and you can put the soulish nature down. You see, people think if, you know, I just, you know, I want to be free. I want to do what I want to do. And that's not freedom because you're really bound. You're bound to your own desires, your own, your own lust, your own passions. True freedom is being able to submit yourself unto the authority of the king. And that does not diminish you one whit. You're more alive when you're acknowledging his authority, when you're obeying him, than when you're, you know, I've got to do my own thing. Then you're on your own, so to speak. <clears throat> Scriptures relating to Jesus as king. Craig mentioned, mentioned one in Isaiah 9. It says uh, he's called the, the uh, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. The word prince means ruler. And it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now notice, notice the order. Government first and then peace. If you want the peace of God, come under the government of God. You get some amen from that? Good. Okay. See, government first. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And Derek Prince has a quote here. There are two things in our experience in human history that are never separated, righteous government and peace. You've got, if you want order, you want peaceful relationship, you've got to have righteous government. And then Isaiah 6 says, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, it says, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then uh, in John 12, it says, when Isaiah was speaking of these things, he said he saw Jesus in his glory and spoke of him. So it was not just God that he was seeing. I mean, he is God, but uh, it was the Lord Jesus that he was seeing high and lifted up. And then a little bit later on, uh, God said, who shall go for us and whom shall I send? And I said, here I am I, send me. See, when you see Jesus lifted up, in your thinking, in your imagination, then there is a, there's a, a response, I want to do your will. See, but if you see Jesus is diminished, 
you don't, I mean, you know, you can kind of take him or leave him. But when he is exalted, there's something about seeing him that you want to do his will. Because he's, you know, we talked about the king of glory coming in today. He is the king of glory. He is majestic. And this king, though, is the king that laid down his life for you. Sometimes, you know, we think of kings, we think of authoritarian kind of kings. This is a king that gave him very himself that you might have his life. So keep that in mind. And then finally, uh, in the scriptures on Jesus' king, Jesus was called before Pontius Pilate, and the Jews had told him that, mentioned something about he claimed to be king of the Jews, and then Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And, and he said, is, is this your own idea, or did someone tell you this about me? And, uh, and, he, and Pilate said, am I a Jew? And, and then uh, uh, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight to keep me from being taken. So it's not of this world, but it is in this world. It's not, it's not based on natural things, natural positions. It's an invisible kingdom, but it is in this world. And then he said, uh, then Pilate said something about, then, then you are a king. And Jesus answered in the Amplified. Uh, Cole, if you would put that up there, please. Uh, John 18 and verse 37. In the other translations, it, he says, it is, as you say, something to that effect, and it comes out a little bit weak. But in the Amplified... Pilate said to him, Then you are king. Jesus answered, You say it, you speak correctly, for I am a king. Certainly I am a king. This is why I was born, for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, who belongs to the truth, hears and listens to my voice. But he clearly identified himself and acknowledged that he was a king. Here's a good quote by Graham Cook. He said, Christ is the center of who we are, and your true self is in the center, is in that center, joyfully submitted to the king. Your spirit wants to obey the king. Your flesh gives you fits at times. Your flesh wants to do its own thing. Now part of part of the tribulation, well, one, we're how do you enter the kingdom? Jesus uh, Nicodemus came to uh, Jesus. And Nicodemus was a very religious man. He was upright, a member of the Sanhedrin, I, I believe. And uh, Jesus said to him, you must be born again, or no man, can enter, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And then, and then Nicodemus was thinking naturally, well, how can a man enter his womb a second time to be born? And then Jesus said, uh, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. So you've got to to be born again in order to enter the kingdom and to see the kingdom. And that's through the confession of Jesus as your Lord uh, and born of water and the Spirit. That water could be symbolic of the Word. Ephesians talks about the washing of water by the Word. Of course, the Spirit operates on the Word. When you, when you believe the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for your sins, he rose again showing that he was sinless, that he was the Son of God. You confess him as your Lord. You're born again. And so that's how you get birthed into the kingdom. It's not about cleaning your life up, getting yourself just right, and then getting accepted. 
uh, our righteousness is as filthy rags before him, and he offers us his gift of righteousness. See, and so it's not, it, I mean, you, it's, it's his righteousness. It's a royal righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. He took your sins. He, judged the, he, he bore the punishment, the guilt, the shame of your sins so that you can have the rewards, the blessings of his righteousness. See, it's not, it's not about earning your way in. You can't earn your way in. It's the gift of righteousness the Bible talks about. And so it's a, you enter the kingdom by birth. Uh, Colossians 1.13 talks about um, that God delivered us from the power or authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son. So there's a translation when a person acknowledges the lordship of Jesus Christ, they get translated out of the kingdom of darkness where you don't know you don't always you don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, Satan is ruling you. See, there's there's two kingdoms. A lot of times, you know, we don't. And I mean, I, even myself, we don't talk about the devil very much. And that's I mean, that's a good thing because we're focused on Jesus. Uh, but there is a devil. There is a literal Satan, and he's got a kingdom. Jesus said he has a kingdom. And uh, in fact, and then Paul said in in Ephesians two, said the the, the prince of the power of the air uh, that uh, now rules over the, the children of disobedience. But if you're not in the kingdom of God, you're in Satan's kingdom. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral saying, you know, I don't want to party either one. I, I just want to do my own thing. If, if that's your deal, well, you're, you're in Satan's kingdom. And when you're in Satan's kingdom, that means he has authority over you. And you don't want to be in that place. But see, if you come under Jesus' kingdom... And that means he has authority, he has responsibility for you, and you can exercise his authority against the enemy. Um, uh, what is it? James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of times you hear people say, well, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, you've got to get the first part of that in there. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. See, if you, when you come, when you... When you come under God's authority, then, then you're under his authority. Then you have authority to resist the enemy. If you're just out on your own, you're out on your own. See, authority works. It, it, I mean, and there's, well, you want, you want to be where you're submitted to God and you can exercise his authority. Uh, one of the principles of authority is to have authority, you must be under authority. You, the excellent example is the Roman centurion. In Matthew 8, where Jesus, uh, word was sent to him, to Jesus, that his servant was uh, paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said, I will go and heal him. And as he was going, the, the centurion sent a messenger saying, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I mean, he, you know, he was acknowledging his unworthiness for the Lord to do this. But he said, I myself am a man under authority. He said, but just speak the word. And my servant, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He said, for I am a man under authority, and I have soldiers under me, and I say to this one, do this, and he does it. To that one, go there, and he goes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And see, before that, in, in, Acts, in Matthew 7, it says, uh, Jesus was not like the religious leaders. He said he spoke as one having authority. And so the, but the centurion recognized, he said, I myself am a man under authority. He recognized that Jesus was under authority. He just did nothing but what he saw his father do. He said nothing but what he saw his father or heard his father say. So he's modeling submission himself. But he said, I myself am a man under authority, 
And that's why he had authority. If you take a, a drill sergeant and he gets a kick out of barking orders and making these guys do all kinds of things and jumping through hoops and whatever, he says, I kind of like this, uh, giving all these orders and, and people doing what I say. He says, I'm going to leave the, the military and I'm going to go out in civilian life and I'm going to try this. And people say, well, who are you, man, you know, for telling me what to do? See, he's, he's no longer under authority in the military, so he doesn't have authority. These other people that are just civilians, they're not in the military, so he's lost his authority to command. As long as he's under authority in the military, he's got authority to command. And that's, that's a, a little, I mean, that's a, that's a little bit different kind of authority in the sense of what I'm talking about in, in the kingdom, in the sense of, servants in the kingdom i mean although there's the principle of being un- to have authority you must be under authority so anyway if you want the authority of the kingdom to work for you be under uh authority to god and then under those he places over you oh uh i had an example of this recently or in, in a way uh, there was a woman that called me and about 12 12 30 sunday night a couple of weeks ago and she had a, she had had a repairman, well not a repairman, but a service person come over. She had bought a router. She's got a, a really fancy TV set and surround sound system and and computer set up. And so this this guy where she bought the router came over to set up the router, and it's, it takes a little doing. It's supposed to be maybe 30, 40 minutes to do the work, and but he was there four hours, and. And she had her she had her dad come whenever she has a serviceman come she has her dad come and he was in the living room but this guy was on the bed working on the computer she was there with him in the bedroom she said I didn't like the look in his eyes so much so that she didn't like to look at his eyes and so anyway he was he was for whatever reason it was taking a long time to get this thing set up and so that night she was went to bed tried to get to go to sleep but a force was pushing her to the edge of her bed. You know, some may say, oh, that's, that's crazy, you know. So what, what would you say when someone gives you a call and says, you know, I, I can't get to sleep. Some force keeps pushing me off to the edge of my bed. Uh, you must have ate some bad pizza or, you know, take a couple of aspirin and call a shrink in the morning, you know. I mean, the, I, mean I, I have no reason to doubt her. I mean, I, I've, I've known her for some time, and I, I believe she's telling the truth. So what do you do? You've got an unseen force, an unseen enemy. I mean, that would be quite disconcerting if you're in bed trying to go to sleep and something's trying to push you off the bed and there's nobody there. What do you do? Well, if you're in the kingdom, you take authority. You exercise authority. I don't so much like the term take authority because you already have authority. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You are a believer and you have authority. You've been delivered out of his authority into the kingdom of God. You're not under Satan's authority. You're under God's authority. You have authority against the enemy in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. In the name of Jesus means his authority. All authority in heaven and earth is in the name. The name of Jesus will do whatever Jesus did. And he defeated Satan on the cross. He spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it he has defeated satan but now you're not going to see the the manifestation of that until you learn to exercise that authority 
Now, one of the things she was doing, she was praying. That's good. But when, when God has given you the authority, he expects you to use the authority. I remember hearing the story of Brother Hagin one time, and he had a visitation of the Lord, and the Lord was talking to him. And a little demon came up, got in between them, and started talking, and this black stuff was spewing out of its mouth. And, it was, and Jesus was still speaking, but Brother Hagin couldn't hear him anymore because this, this black stuff was coming out and getting in between them. And he was waiting for Jesus to rebuke the demon. And he kept waiting and he kept waiting. And finally he got mad and he told the demon to go. And the demon, you know, whimpered off, scampered away. And, and he said, you know, how, how come you didn't rebuke that demon? And he said, and I believe I have this correctly if I've got it. He said, I couldn't. And he goes, I, I didn't hear you correctly. Did you say you couldn't? And he said, yeah, that's right. He said, I've given you the authority to deal with it, and it's up to you to exercise that authority. So anyway, she, she, was, she was praying, but anyway, she, and it, it wasn't working, so she called me. I rebuked the demon, told it to go, pleaded the blood, covered the apartment with the blood and so forth. She called me the next day. She said, I slept soundly. So you've got, one of the reasons for spiritual authority is you've got an enemy that's arrayed against you. Jesus said the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is out to tear you up and your family because you're made in the image of God. That's the way, that's the way he gets back at God. It's not just, you know, just you're out on your own and you're, you know, you're living in America and you've got blessings or whatever. Well, that's, that's fine and good. I'm not, not against that. But there's an enemy arrayed against you. And you've got to have authority to deal with him. And part of that authority is acknowledging the authority of Jesus coming under his authority, coming under the authorities that he establishes, and then you've got authority to deal with the enemy. You're in obedience to God. You're right with God, and you can rebuke the enemy, and he'll go. Jesus said, well, uh, what was it? Whichever one it was, was it James 4, 7? Anyway, we're... Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil. That's you resist the devil in the authority of Jesus, and he will flee from you. You don't have to get the, you don't get God. He'll flee from you because you've got the authority. But you've, authority is no good unless it's exercised. See, part of the church, we've got, God wants us to come under kingdom authority so we can exercise kingdom authority and we can affect change in society. Okay, now, well, this is, I get to my point here. God operates through delegated authority. He doesn't personally come down and run everything. God doesn't run your family. He really doesn't run your life, really. But like, like say, Jimmy and Beth in raising their kids, they didn't just put them in a bedroom and say, okay, God, we'll feed them and clothe them, give them shelter. You raise them. No, they raised them. I mean, they had God's help. I mean, they... Invited God's help and all of that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying God was a part of it. I'm not saying that God was not a part of it. But the instruction is to fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, part of, part of the big problem uh, in America is we've got absentee fathers. They may be in the home, but they're not taking their role as fathers. And so, but anyway, God, when he operates through delegated authority, then the person, whatever their responsibility is, 
They've got to carry out that responsibility. So, it says if we truly recognize and acknowledge and submit to God's authority, then we'll recognize and acknowledge and submit to his authority and his servants and those those he places over us. Um, Jimmy is one of the elders, Arthur and Craig being the other two, in this fellowship. Jimmy and I went to school together. All 12 grades. I mean, I could say, you know, I mean, I know this guy. I mean, you know, what's, what's so special about him? I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy is special. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, just in the flesh, I could say, you know, I mean, you know, what's the big deal? But I recognize the authority of God in this man, that he is an elder. And I have no problem whatsoever submitting to his authority. You know, I know uh, Paul said, uh, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. Jimmy is a great guy. He's a great man. I love him. But, I mean, he's, and he's, you know, he's an elder, and i got no problem recognizing his authority. <clears throat> Craig and Arthur? Eh, it's a little iffy. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> uh, now, now here's, here's, notice this. It says, your attitude towards authority reveals your attitude towards God. See? Now, this, and, this, and this applies, I'm not, I'm mainly talking about, well, it's not just church authority, but it's authority in general. If I, you know, if I get, if I get a little attitude for whatever with my boss, I've got a, a good boss, uh, but sometimes, you know, I just, I just get a little attitude in my flesh, and that means I'm, I'm not, my, if, my attitude's not right with God then. If I'm not respecting my, my earthly boss, so to speak, then I'm, I'm disrespecting God. So I've got to adjust my attitude towards God that I'm here to serve this person and, and be a benefit to him, you know, then things are good. I mean, he's a, he's a good boss. It's just sometimes it's, sometimes it's just me and my flesh. So. But your attitude towards authority reveals your attitude towards God. So if you've got a problem with an, with an authority... Check your attitude with God. If you come back in submission to God, in alignment with God, then it's a lot easier to deal with that, the authority that, that God has in your life. I remember hearing Joyce Meyer talk about uh, she was praying to God that her ministry would grow, that her ministry would grow, and, and he finally got through to her. He said, your ministry is not growing any further until you get the right attitude towards your husband, Dave. And so when she finally, I mean, of course, you know, she came from a, an abusive background, and you can understand that, you know, she had, a, she had a problem with men, she had a problem with male authority. And, but God didn't, she couldn't use that as an excuse. Say, well, it's, you know, just happened to me, so I'm just going to have this problem, and that's just the way it is. No, he said, you know, you, you, you get your attitude, your heart right with Dave, and you come, see, come under his, God's authority through Dave, then her ministry has obviously grown. Now, here, here's, a key, here's a key point when you understand talking about spiritual authority. Spiritual authority can never be imposed. See, if, some, if someone's coming to you and they're trying to intimidate you, they're trying to put pressure on you to, and I'm not talking about spiritual authority now, um, if they're trying to manipulate you, trying to put a guilt trip on you, some way to get you to do something, they're not operating out of spiritual authority. They may be in that, posi- in that position, 
But that's, that's not the way spiritual authority works. It can never be imposed. If you notice the Bible, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk to leaders and say, make, make, the, make the people submit. He doesn't say that. He tells, tells the people, submit to your leaders. I mean, they've got, they've got a charge from God to, to uh, help mature you in Christ. They've got to preach the word. They've got to represent God to you. But it's up to you what you do with it. And that's between you and God. But if you're, you know, it, I mean, that's, it's, like, it's like the spiritual authority is there. It's presented. And then, then it's up to you to recognize it and submit to it. It's all voluntary. But see, that's the beauty of it. See, Jesus is the king. These men are following the king under the king. And then we're following their leadership. And see, there's something... I mean, you've got people from all diverse backgrounds, different personalities and whatever, but we're following someone. And there's, going, there's, a, there's a great unity when you, when you understand that and you flow in it. There's a great unity. In fact, Jesus said, said he prayed, Father, that they may be one even as we are one, that the world may know that you sent me. See, when people learn to acknowledge the, authority of Je- acknowledge the authority of Jesus and his authority in those that he places over us, and you do it, it's all voluntary. It's no, there's no coercion. There's no force with it. It's a beautiful thing. That's the glory of it. In fact, here, here's a, there's a good definition of submission here. Um, submission is one equal placing himself voluntarily under another equal, that God may be glorified. It's not, it's not about anybody's greater or, or less than the other. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's two equals together, but it, for, the punk, for, the, uh, for the purpose of functioning, for the purpose of order, the way God has set it up, it's I voluntarily choose to recognize your authority. I voluntarily choose to come under your authority. And remember, spiritual authority is for your benefit. Paul said to the Colossians, he said, the authority which, he said, though I boast somewhat of our authority, which the Lord has given us for building you up and not tearing you down. Spiritual authority is to release you. Spiritual authority to, is to edify you. Here's something. If you want, if you want the, the people that are spiritual authorities, if you want them to have uh, kind of, uh, when, you, when you need prayer, if you want them to have authority in prayer, recognize their authority in other things. If you, that, that's one thing. If you, if you can get authority in prayer, that's always a, a one key to victory when you're, when you're dealing with the enemy or whatever, if you have authority. And so if you come under their authority and they're praying for you, that there's something about it just, it just increases the authority of their prayers because you're, you're submitting to them and then they're praying in authority on your behalf. But spiritual authority can never be imposed. It must be recognized and submitted to. Ephesians 5.21, submit to another, one another out of reverence for Christ. There should be a mutual submission in the body of Christ of the members one to another. That's the glory of it. That's the beauty of it. Now, what, what got me started along these, these lines is that one day I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I just had a mini vision of the Lord. And when I say mini vision, it's just, it's not, I don't, it's not something really super. I mean, it is it's supernatural in a way, but I mean, it's just, you just see a little flash in your spirit, just a little insight in your spirit. And what I saw was I saw the Lord as king, and, and when, I, when I saw him as king, instantly I knew that his will was perfect, that it was right, and that it must be done. 
and I wanted to fall down prostrate before him. And so there's, there's something about seeing him as king where you want to do his will. And um, and so that got me studying along these lines. <clears throat> Okay, two parts. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm probably lost lost track of time here. So. Okay. 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 We'll we'll probably just do that then because I know it's, it's it's been a while here. So, um, but anyway, just just realize, and I hope you get some sense uh, conveyed that Jesus is King. He is Lord of Lords. And he has a kingdom, and he is building his kingdom. His kingdom is not relegated to when he comes back to reign on earth a thousand years. It's, he's building it right now. He's preparing us for that time, but he's, he's got a work that he wants to do for us now. And the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, that we can, God is willing to assume the government of our lives. And we, when we come under his government, then we have his authority, we have his protection, we have his blessing. And so it's 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 a great thing, it's a good thing, and uh, anyway, I hope I hope you've got some sense of of the King and His Kingdom. To God be the glory. <clears throat>